Uh, today, our focus is on the gospel of Matthew chapter 15. So let's go here. Um, I call this, this chapter a chapter that is about blind spots. Uh, you know, Jesus has this um, constant interaction uh, with, with, with people that are trying to learn and discern how to respond uh, to him. You know, in our family... For uh, seven months, a little over seven months now, we have been uh, thinking about eyes, like physical eyes, uh, at our house. It is a constant conversation because on the October 29th, Kim had a retinal detachment. And then on Halloween day that morning, she had emergency surgery on her left eye. Um, pretty, pretty serious stuff. Um, uh, through a whole chain of events, uh, you know, she has been basically working with one eye uh, for over seven months. Uh, just honestly, it's heroic. I mean, what she does for us here and her job and doing it with this one eye and this eye bothering her just about all the time, it's crazy. I mean, the first, I, said, I thought she'd take a leave of absence or whatever from here or maybe from me. I don't know. You know? <laughs> <laughs> dealing with all that, and she's just been something, but she, uh, uh, she did all her Christmas stuff, all of our Sundays, she pulled off Passion Play, and tonight they have a concert. Have you ever seen those things they use to, re to do the concert? The, the stuff is just tiny, and they, you know, she does all, just come and watch, it'll be great, you'll love that. Um, but, uh, you know, when your physical vision gets messed up, it affects your whole life. Uh, everything about, uh, because we, we know that we have blind spots. Um, you know, the, one of the places we talk often about blind spots is physically, is like in our car, right? Uh, talking about bl blind spots. You know, you got three mirrors. You got the one here, the one on the side over here, and you got the rear view mirror. But even with those three mirrors, they're still blind spots. Uh, on the vehicle we have right now, they got them little mirrors on the, on the inside, and they are an attempt to try to make the blind spots even less. But uh, if, if you listen to the people talk about blind spots, there's only one way to completely avoid blind spots, and that's to turn your head. You got to quickly turn your head because that mirror is not going to show everything. Or you got to turn your head over here, um, not for a long period of time. You know, we don't want you to do that. Just a quick turn. Um, just turning your head so that you make sure you see uh, everything around you. So when you try to take a look around you, can you see everything in your surroundings? Um, most of us would like to say yes, but the truth is, whether your vision is 20-20 or whether you have correction in your lenses, the, same, the answer is the same. No matter how hard you try, you cannot see everything going on around you. We all have physical blind spots, and so how we think about things, uh, all the different aspects of our life, we can even have spiritual blind spots, and that is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew uh, 15. Now, when you start thinking about blind spots, I thought I'd just give you a few examples, personal blind spots that you can deal with. Uh, you know, we, we have blind spots like, um, uh, you know, don't take any of these personally, but some people have blind spots of stubbornness. I'm sure that's not yours, but, you know, they uh, you know, blind spots of stubbornness where we have resistance to things, that we don't want to see uh, everything around us or we're not willing. You know, uh, you know how you are. You know, maybe somebody would say, well, why did you do such and such? You know, I didn't do that. You know, that we, we have that little stubborn spirit about us. We, we can't quite see everything everybody else can see around us, and so we have blind spots. And the key to overcoming stubbornness is willingness, an openness to allow somebody else to be able to speak into your life. Uh, we can be blinded by selfishness or a sense of entitlement. 
Now, how do we deal with that blind spot? That blind spot is, is responded to by humility, have, recognizing that everything doesn't have to be my way, not focused on my entitlement or what I need selfishly, but recognizing that I can be a person of humility. It helps to overcome the blind spot of selfishness. Um, you can be, have a blind spot like uh, bitterness or something that you think should have happened in your life, um, uh, some level of resentment. Uh, you maybe, you, maybe you've had those in your life at times where, you know, you just, you just got that blind spot there because you cannot see clearly because of something that's happened to you or something that somebody has done to you. And so, um, you know, the Bible talks to us about forgiveness. Forgiveness is the turning your head to notice what is going on around me and to allowing um, bitterness or resentment not to be a blind spot in my life. You could be, have a blind spot like isolation or detachment from people around you, you know, closing yourself off, not being vulnerable, not allowing anybody else in. The response to that is closeness. Uh, we might use closeness or intimacy, uh, but allowing other people that are in our life and not holding people off at a distance. Even blinded by disobedience. Uh, I talk to you often here about the, the level of resistance that you offer to the Holy Spirit or the resistance that you have to God because you know God's here today. And if God's here today, anything is possible. He can heal you. He can save you. He can set you free. He can give you wisdom that you didn't even have, that you worried about it all week, and he give you the wisdom you need right now. See, that's a, that's a recognition that we don't come in disobedience toward him or holding off at a distance, but obeying him. So we all have uh, spiritual blind spots. And so in Matthew 15, Jesus is dealing with the blind spots that he's describing through the scribes and the Pharisees. And he's helping us to think about their false ways so that they do not, we don't follow their ways and that we address our own spiritual blindness uh, that we're dealing with. Uh, let's hear this word. Uh, this is the first section of Matthew 15, 1 through 20. Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Sounds like your mama, right? Uh, Jesus replied, Why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father and mother is devoted to God, they are to honor father and mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth is what defiles them. Then the disciples came and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? Um, he replied, every plant that my heavenly father is not planted would be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, so will both will fall into a pit. Peter said, explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull, Jesus asked. Don't you see whatever enters the mouth comes, goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. 
For out of the heart, some evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander, these are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Now, the context here is that last week, you remember that uh, Jesus has been doing great things that have helped people recognize who he is. Remember last week, he did two of the most famous miracles that we've ever seen from him. He fed the 5,000 and he walked on water. I mean, those are at the top of the list, aren't they? They're amazing miracles. And what happened was that the, the disciples are beginning to move away from some of their doubt and struggles, and they're beginning to say, this must be God. Only God could accomplish things like this. Remember, the very last thing that was said from them about the walking on the water was, truly, this man must be uh, the Son of God. So we, we kind of recognize the context of what's going on there, uh, what, what's happening. So he's uh, helping us to see that here, here comes the Pharisees. Now, what should they be saying? They should be saying things like, how can we follow this man? How, how unbelievable is it that someone comes that is able to accomplish what only God could accomplish? But did you notice what they're, what they're interested in? They say, why are you breaking our traditions? Your disciples don't wash their hands before they eat. Right? And we should be talking about the incarnation of the Almighty God walking among them. And here they are. Um, that ever happened to you? You, you, you know, when you're, um, when you're trying to talk to somebody about uh, faith or you have an opportunity, it, it's sort of like I, I saw this um, interview where this reporter was talking to a firefighter that had just went into a building and rescued a baby. And he's got a microphone and he says, hey, hey, sir, I heard that your brother was running for office in our community. Like, what is wrong with you? This guy just ran in and saved a baby, and you're worried about what his brother's political views are? That's exactly kind of what's happening here. They, um, they are distracted. And, and so I'll tell you, the first blind spot is asking the wrong question. It happens sometimes when you try to talk somebody about faith in Jesus. This ever happened to you? You know, you're talking to them about Christ and his work in, in your heart or maybe a testimony like we heard from Michelle. Uh, and so you're talking to them about Christ. But they don't ask you a question about Jesus. They don't want to know about the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. They're not really interested in what's happening with God in your life. They want to know if you're pro-choice. They want to know if we, if we really evolved from monkeys. You understand what I'm talking about? That sometimes our spiritual blind spot is that we ask the wrong questions. Instead of having a heart open to receive what God is accomplishing in us, uh, asking these questions that really make no difference at all. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you, are you, uh, are you asking the right questions? You know, the asking the wrong questions is kind of a way of deflection. It's kind of, let, let, let's get off the topic, or, or it could be a, a, a distraction. Uh, it might happen to you. You know, the Spirit of God is in this room today, and maybe he has something empowering and powerful that he wants to accomplish in your life. But if you're, you know, if you stand up at the end of this service, and you want to talk about the latest sporting event, or where that you're going camping for the weekend this afternoon, um, you know, it's easy to move away from what God is doing and get distracted and deflect really quick, right? So that's what he's talking about. It can be a spiritual blind spot. 
I just really encourage you, when God is speaking, when God is at work in your heart, make sure your heart is open. Don't be distracted by thinking about things maybe that the devil puts in your mind or thinking about the wrong question. Uh, it can be a spiritual blind spot. He mentions another one. Spiritual blind spot number two is trusting in unspiritual traditions. Trusting in unspiritual traditions. Uh, this is what he talks about in 3 through 9 here where he's, um, you know, they're, they're talking about this hand-washing thing. Um, you know, actually the law that was written was only that those that were serving needed to be clean. So those were there, the line of Aaron, those were in the temple. They were required to it. But they're, you know, here they are. They're trying to focus on ritual purity and, um, you know, basically they're just trying to be in control, aren't they? Yeah. Why don't you, you know, they don't even ask Jesus. They ask, why do your disciples not wash your hand? They're not even talking to him, uh, thinking about what he had to say, but the, recognizing that their focus, I mean, here is Christ who has, man, he's been breaking all the rules, hasn't he? He touched the lepers and he touched the dead body and he healed a woman and he's associating with tax collectors and Gentiles, yikes, uh, breaking bread in public with, uh, without any mention of washing his hands. I mean, double yikes. I mean, here he is. And he says to, to them, you guys are just like Isaiah. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. See, he's recognizing there's a spiritual blind spot here. You're not really paying attention to the things that God wants to accomplish. You're only thinking about uh, your own traditions. Three different times he says you break the commandments, uh, verse 3, verse 6, for the sake of your traditions. You void the word of God, verse 9. Uh, you choose as your doctrines the commandments of men. Um, so, and then he gives them an example. His example is that they don't even honor the father and their mother. They don't even follow the uh, one of the, ten, the fifth uh, commandment there. So he's talking to them about being spiritually blind in accepting unscriptural traditions and trusting in unscriptural ways uh, that not only harm them, but harm people as well. You ever, you ever heard that phrase, the blind leading the blind? It's Jesus right there. Uh, not somebody who's made that up. He's talking about these disciples with a blind, blind spot. Now we, we have traditions, right? We have heritage, um, and we're a heritage place around here. You know, we're not, we just didn't get started lately. We started 90 years ago, and we're getting ready to celebrate all that. We, we got traditions. We show up about the same time every Sunday, uh, every Sunday night, Wednesday night. We got all these traditions that we, uh, we embrace each other. We love, I know some of you don't like that, but we do. We love each other here, and uh, we embrace each other. We sing, and we pray, and we, we, um, we teach scripture in classes, and to our youth, and to our children, and adult Bible studies. I mean, we, we do all the way. We're going to take communion this morning. All those things are traditions, right? And there's nothing wrong with traditions unless your traditions lead you away from the Word of God. See, what we do here is our attempt to enhance the Word of God, to proclaim the Word of God, to allow the Word of God to be alive in this room right now. But if we choose things that move us away from the Word of God, then we have problems. Now, I don't have time to talk about it, but we could, we, we could recognize that there's a lot of different belief systems in Tazewell County. We don't, we don't have to go to Africa or somewhere. There's a lot of different places that have a lot of traditions that they want to say, these are traditions that they believe in, but many times those traditions move us away from the Word of God. It happens in our culture as well. You know, our culture thinks our book is old-fashioned right? 
They don't, they don't believe our book. You know, some people come up with other books. They want us to believe all of that. We have one book, and we believe it. So when they, when they decide in our culture that something that's old-fashioned, so we don't, we don't believe that anymore, we're going to believe this. See, that's a movement away from the Word of God, choosing to believe man-made beliefs or doctrines instead of the Word of God. Let's not ever go there. We choose to teach the Word of God. If God said it in His Word, we're going to stand for that. Whether that means uh, they don't like us as much, uh, we don't fit in with their politics, or maybe they send the preacher to jail. It's okay with me. I'm still not choosing the world's way over this book. That's what he's talking about. You get it, right? It can be a spiritual blind spot when you begin to believe that some of these other things that lead us away from the Word of God. Uh, Now, the third blind spot... Uh, is Jesus' perspective on not realizing that being a part, or excuse me, being right with God is a matter of the heart. Uh, not being right with God is a matter of the, of the heart. Um, so this spiritual blind spot is uh, talking about Jesus telling us that our relationship with God is determined on the basis of our of what's going on in our heart. He gives this little parable. And we know it's a parable because Peter later says, uh, explain the parable to us. I call this the parable of the mouth. Parable of the mouth. Parable of the mouth is in verse 11. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that defiles them. So Jesus is teaching us, you know, throughout the scripture, he, he talks about where, where spiritual maturity and immaturity comes from. Uh, he says spiritual purity comes from the heart and the mouth, not the hands and the stomach. So we notice that, you know, you notice that Jesus is not really high on any of it. He's, he talks about the human heart here, and he's not talking about sympathy or kindness or creativity or love. He talks about bad things like evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. It's like he's talking about the Ten Commandments. You know, he, meant his, he mentioned it, honor father and mother, and then he goes through the rest of them right here. Uh, he's been talking throughout the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew where he talks about the condition of the human heart. And he's saying, your heart is beating, but without a transformation of God in your heart, it is still diseased. You know, you all got heart disease. And I'm not talking like I'm a cardiovascular person because I have no idea about all that. But I know that every heart is diseased without the transformation of God. And it can be a blind spot for us. So how's your heart? Uh, how do you how do you know, pastor? How do you know what's in your heart? You know, when you wash your hands, you know, my mother used to say, let me see them. <laughs> you, know, so you take a look and see if you actually wash those hands. Um, but, but Jesus is shooting straight and he comes out and he said, what comes out of your mouth proceeds from your heart. Many times people say something and they'll say something like, oh, I didn't mean that. And I always in my heart say, sometimes with my mouth, but a lot of times in with my heart I say, mm-hmm, yes, you did. Because what comes out of the mouth is from the heart. It's not from your stomach. It's not because you had pizza last night. It's because your heart is diseased and has a need, and it comes out of your mouth. So we, we hear frustration or anger or um, not that all those things are sinful, but it does recognize what's going on in your heart. He says your heart is right when it is changed uh, by God. So our greatest need is not cleaner hands. 
all you nurses, I'm not saying don't wash it. You know, I, every time I go to the hospital, I always use all that stuff, you know, whatever. Um, but our need is not for cleaner hands. Our need, our greatest need is for a changed heart. These guys that Jesus is talking to, they were blind to it. Uh, so we recognize that uh, you know, the world does not need just more superficial religion. The, the world does not need just more external Christians that are Christians because, well, I go to church. Well, I'm glad you go to church. I'm so thankful that you're here. I want you to be here all the time. I want us to fill this building every time. But it's not about going to church. It's about the transformation of your heart. It can't be external that I did all these specific things but the transformation that God brings into my heart. Uh, how am I dealing with my blind spot? Uh, I gave you some other verses there. You can look up, kind of use this as a devotional to think about some of the ways that Jesus talks about the heart. Now, his example at the end of this scripture in chapter 15 is this story of the Canaanite woman. Uh, this story is very interesting. It's got a lot of little problem things in it. Uh, some people think that Jesus was calling her a dog. You know, he wasn't calling her a dog. It's like the, this contrast between the Jews and the Gentiles. Uh, what I want to tell you is that Jesus gives us this example of a woman who had plenty of things to distract her. Plenty of opportunities for blind spots. She's not doing well. Her, her daughter uh, is, is not well, and she is looking for help. Uh, she is pestering the disciples terribly. Uh, she's a Gentile woman that they don't want to have anything to do with because they thought their message was for the Jews. Uh, Jesus really doesn't even show any time for her. I think he's not trying to distract her. He's just trying to make a point. He's just showing us that of anybody you want to see in Scripture, if somebody didn't want to follow the ways of God, this woman had every, every barrier you can think of in front of her right there. But Jesus says to her, because of her persistence, because of her continuing to draw close to Christ, to make this request for her daughter, he says, O oh, woman of great faith, may it be done to you. And the daughter was healed. Um, you know what takes away blind spots? is faith in Christ. You know, whatever's man-made, whatever we come up with on our own, that's what gets us in trouble. But our faith in Christ uh, helps us to overcome these blind spots. You know, great faith, he says, great faith does not give up. It's not deterred by obstacles or setbacks or disappointment. Jesus is testing this woman's faith uh, with a series of barriers there. But uh, he recognizes her great response uh, to him, this woman of great faith. Jesus didn't do anything unloving. Uh, he had enough of superficiality and shallowness. He wanted to see if this woman was not just thinking about herself, but was really putting her faith in God. He put up a few barriers to keep her, not to keep her away, but to draw her closer. And he used this occasion to show his disciples that persistent great faith would distinguish them between genuine faith and superficial faith. He's talking to them about uh, their blind spots, responding to them. Uh, so the, uh, the questions today are um, asking the right questions uh, reveals a heart that is open, not distant, and a barrier or resistant to God. Trusting in God's word in your life, uh, not just being swayed or distracted by the world or other teachings. What does the word of God uh, have to say? Uh, the heart is the key uh, that, that it overcomes those externals and works within us and builds great faith within our hearts. Uh, we're going to take communion today.
So uh, if you're going to help us with that, I invite you to come. Cheryl will uh, distri distribute that for us, and then I'll ask you just to wait for a moment. You know, God um, he just wants to do a work within us. I heard his story about uh, a guy named John Wanamaker. He's a very wealthy man, owned a department store in Philadelphia. And so he went out uh, on, a, on a trip to China on a mission trip. And when he's out there, he noticed there was this building out there that was still being in the process of being built. And while they were building it, they felt like they were kind of running out of money, and he was trying to decide if he was going to help them. While he's kind of observing the countryside, he looked out, and there's this man pushing um, a plow with one oxen and one boy. So he got one oxen instead of two, one oxen, one boy. He said, why is that boy uh, out there doing that? He said, well, the boy wanted the church so much. He loved God so much that he told his dad, if you sell one of them oxen, I'll be the other oxen. The, the, this wealthy man just fell on his knees and prayed that, that God would give him a heart like that. Not just thinking about material things and all the things going on around us, but a heart open to what God wants to accomplish. I'm pretty sure God's not asking you to, to be an oxen, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure he's talking to you about something. He doesn't want you to be all wrapped up in yourself and have those spiritual blind spots. Turn your head. Look at Jesus. Listen to what he says and do what he's asking you to do. Communion is such a beautiful opportunity for us to do that. So we're going to pray for these elements. But while it's kind of quiet in here, would you pray for yourself? Would you seek him and allow him to bring about whatever change he wants to bring in you? He don't want you to be a scribe and a Pharisee filled with spiritual blind spots. Open your heart and let him look at you and say, oh, you of great faith. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for these elements today. We know it's just grape juice and a piece of bread. But we thank you that we can come together here. Lord, I'm glad that it doesn't matter if you're a member or this is your first time here. If you know Christ, if you've given your life to Christ. As a matter of fact, if you give your life to Christ right now, we would welcome you to his, his little dinner table. And that you would take with us bread and juice that's a reminder of his death of his crucifixion and of his being raised from the dead lord would you touch us as we eat and drink together today at your table in jesus name would you please serve us here in the balcony He touched me, oh, he touched me, and oh.
joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know He touched me and made me whole. Verse says, since I met this blessed Savior, since he cleansed and made me whole, tell him, I will never cease to praise him. I'll shout it while eternity rolls. He touched me, oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me. wait just for a moment. You know, you're asking him, um, telling him that you recognize you don't, you don't need a new hairdo. You don't need cleaner hands. You need a touch from God deep within you that would touch your heart. If he changes you inside, when you walk out of here today, you'll be a new person. Uh, you'll be a person filled with, uh, with wisdom and grace and forgiveness because of his touch. That song says, Sometimes we add something wonderful happened. Well, not out here, but in here as he transformed us. Let's stand together. We'll sing that one more time. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my Something wonderful happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for serving us today. Jesus said, this is his meal. This bread represents the broken body of Jesus. We can visualize that, can't we? What he did for us. He says, eat this bread today and remember that I gave my life for you. Let's eat as we remember Christ. Sometimes when I drink this juice, I realize that this juice goes into my body. 
and into my bloodstream. Uh, it begins to affect uh, every part of me. Sometimes that's how I think I want the, the blood of Jesus to be internally changing who I am, my biases, my prejudices, all the different things that I might be struggling with, whatever even is going on right now today. Wouldn't it be beautiful if we just represented today as we drink this juice, this internal work that the Spirit of God does in you? Let's receive that today. This cup represents the blood of Jesus shed on your behalf. The Bible says, Drink this in remembrance of Christ and be very, very thankful. Let's drink together. Jesus, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for ministering to our hearts. Uh, we pray for those that uh, made new commitments here today, Lord. We pray your, your spirit in them for all of us. We pray for that transforming internal work of the spirit of God. All praise to you, Lord Jesus. In your holy name we pray. Everybody said together, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon.